welcome to another episode of Movies About Music. Yeah, so we've got a new uh, Movies About Music now. Mm -hmm. And what movie did we watch last night? We watched Tar because everybody's been talking about this movie Tar. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I first heard about it through my friend Violet, who said, have you seen this movie? Mm. And then other people started saying, have you seen this movie? And then I started seeing that there's like this buzz about it. And there was something about some Me Too-ness that, but I was trying to ignore it. Right. And I did a pretty good job of ignoring. So did I. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So we're kind of going into this blind. Right. So what did Violet have to say about it? She just said, have you seen this movie? Oh, and you didn't ask her what she thought about it? No, I I didn't ask her any questions. So um, yeah, really didn't know anything about it. Yeah. It's a two hour and 38 minute film. Mm-hmm. which I th- was worried because the beginning is like 10 minutes of dead space. Mm-hmm. I was worried you were going to go, no, I'm not yeah. doing this. I-, I don't do art films very well because yeah. um, I think when I was younger, I used to pretend that I liked them. And when you pretend, sometimes when you pretend that you like something, you yeah. end up liking it. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Well, um, you like the French, you like the French movies. Like I still the like the Godard Okay, movies. so this is what I like. Okay. And I told, I think I told you this during the movie because I, yeah. you know, unexpectedly oh, yes, you really did. liked it. <laughs> so these are the things that I really like in movies. Yeah. I like it when there are pretty people in it. Mm-hmm. I think Kate Blanchett is very, you know, beautiful. Like she's very, mm-hmm. I have this thing for like tall, like blonde, blonde, like just elegant ethereal women and yeah. Kate Blanchett is very much one of those. Yeah, she was an elf in a movie. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and um I also like the lifestyle of the rich and famous. Yes, you do. And I like <laughs> Berlin apartments. That's right. the thing that I have. Like I really love Berlin apartments. And most importantly, I cannot get bored with a movie about music. Right. For some weird reason, I can just watch, you know, they were even in during the beginning when they were talking about like somebody's rubato, it's like a robato yeah, yeah. and, um, you know, first chair, is she going to do mm-hmm. this? Like, you know, they were doing all, they had all this technical, like had a conversation. And then that was composer in jokes, yeah. uh, not in jokes. It wasn't like that, but references. Right. I very much enjoyed that part too. So I think I like the first 10 minutes even, I think I was like, okay, I could do this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, you were into it. Um, I was very much into it. Yeah, it does start very slow. There's this, there's this Peruvian song, and and the all the credits are done at the at the mm-hmm. front end like an old fashioned movie. Mm-hmm. But really, what I think is the inciting incident of the film is, you know, first she does this kind of talk. Yes. Um, and I was think, and I was thinking, wow, how, she had to memorize all these lines oh you're talking about the master class at juilliard no but so before this okay. so the interview that she gave but that's in that, right yeah. but in that scene there was a lot of cuts mm-hmm. you know there's mm-hmm. a lot of shot return shot stuff so you can obviously do different takes but then we come to this inciting incident in the mm-hmm. classroom she's teaching mm-hmm. a course at at juilliard i guess it's come some kind of workshop because she lives in berlin Right. I think it's a master class. But yeah, while she's at Juilliard, mm-hmm. she's giving this class. And compared to the, the previous kind of big scene with her, which is edited, this mm-hmm. is a one take. I'm pretty sure it's a one, it's a, a, a one-er, as they call it, which yeah. is one camera moving around the space. And there's a lot of dialogue. Mm-hmm. And it's monologue, mostly. Mm-hmm. You know, she's teaching a class. I'm thinking of it as an inciting incident because it becomes something later that we come back to. She basically is in defense of music and Bach. Yeah. And there's this student <coughs> who is mm-hmm. a person of color. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's... He specifically said that he was 
non-binary and pansexual. Right. Yeah. Or they specifically said that they were. So she kind of, you know, like dresses him down. Yeah. And he says he doesn't like Bach because he fostered 12 children or something like, or he, he had 12 children. 20 and he was a misogynist. And he was a misogynist. So that's why he doesn't listen to Bach. Right. And she's just flabbergasted by this. Right. And so she, there's this beautiful scene or this beautiful moment in this scene Mm -hmm. where she sits down at the piano with him and he's nervously shaking his leg and she Mm -hmm. touches his leg to stop him. And she goes through these different ways of playing Bach Mm -hmm. if you're a different piano player. Yeah, so she plays that Bach minuet that goes... Yeah, and she plays that in like different styles because to demonstrate that the conductor's role is actually a very important one because there are different ways of interpreting music notation. This is something that I learned um, briefly when I was in, you know, when I was in music school Mm -hmm. Um, because I think I thought. And I don't know why I thought this. In retrospect, it's such a ridiculous concept. But I thought that there was only one way, that music notation is so thorough that there's only one way to play the music, right? But it's so not the case. Like when you actually play it, um, and then different teachers and different directors, different music directors... um, You know, I work in applied music, so um, it's a music director for me will have very different interpretations mm. of how you should sing it or play it. Yeah, so yeah. I think they did mention at one point in the film how there were some notes yeah. about Mahler. So the main right. the main piece we're leading towards is she's going to do Mahler's fifth. Yeah. But just hearing you talk mm-hmm. and thinking about this, it's almost like when you have um, a Shakespeare play. Mm-hmm. It's basically dialogue and some stage direction, but mm-hmm. there's not much in terms of scene description. It's right. not like a screenplay. And so that gives the director total freedom to come up with a visual element of it. So I guess we could apply this a little bit to um, notation, where there's a wide range of opportunity for interpretation for the conductor in this case. For sure, yeah. So the conductor is kind of the director of... Absolutely, yeah. ...of the piece. Yeah, yeah. And so um, she was demonstrating the different ways to interpret, and none of them are wrong, right? Right. Yeah. And she was also kind of, she was talking about Bach and the importance of, uh, you know, knowing Bach, because this student at Juilliard, and I don't know how that happens, like, I don't Mm -hmm. know what the Juilliard, like, entrance, you know, requirements are, but like, um, so he he mentioned that he was a string player, he was a violin player, and uh, he came to Juilliard because he there was this one alumni who's the one alumni that you you know admire and he said sarah chang i love sarah chang Mm -hmm. nothing to say about that but later it's kind of like implied that perhaps he chose sarah chang because she's like you know a minority like a person of color yeah a person of color because he was very um hooked on the idea that a person's a composer or you know an artist's personal life is directly related to his work their yeah. work and therefore he will not get to know certain works because of what kind of person the composer was right and bach was one of them mm-hmm. and so tar was uh disputing lydia tar was disputing this and she did it in a way that was very aggressive i admit it was aggressive it was aggressive in the way that a 
hoity-toity uh, Juilliard professor would do. We saw this in, uh, you know, we saw elements of this in Whiplash, too. Totally. Um, um, which was more dramatized. Now, this was more realistic. But this is 2022 yeah. when this movie was filmed, and it's no longer... It was post-pandemic. They noted that in, the, uh, in the beginning. And it definitely rings very differently than when we watched Whiplash yeah. in 2014, right. right? As we talked about in our Whiplash episode, by the way. A Whiplash takedown, <laughs> which you can um, listen to. This And she said a lot of things that we laughed at because we kind of like agreed with oh, her. Oh, she had because... some, some great turns of phrase that is obviously very well mm -hmm. script written. Yeah. Um, we're both believers of separating the... Yes. So this yeah, is the yeah. question that this movie raises right. in a sense. Uh, there's a lot of things and there's a lot of things that mm -hmm. we can talk through. One of them is, yeah, early on in the scene, it's 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 thing of how can you possibly ignore Bach when you, because of his issues, they also mentioned Schopenhauer and she, and she says, this is a different scene, but right. she's talking to her mentor and he mentions Schopenhauer. And she says, didn't he push a, a woman down a flight of stairs? And he said, yeah, but that's not in his writings. Yeah. yeah. So this is kind of a scene, you know, relating to that as well. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I think you and I both believe that you can separate the artist from the art mm -hmm. and give value to the art mm -hmm. because all artists are mad. They're all... I don't know if all I, I don't know if I agree okay. with that statement. Fair, fair yeah. enough. Not all. Um, but I do believe that a lot of them are damaged and that they get right. out their expressions. I also art. for, you know, excuse me for saying this, but I kind of don't care. Yeah, I yeah, don't okay. care. Like I'm so not I'm interested. I don't care. I'm so not interested in what whether or not Michael Jackson was guilty of molesting children. I'm really not interested. It doesn't take away from Billie Jean really at all. It really doesn't take away from like I will continue to listen to his music. Me too. The only reason I don't listen to R. Kelly is because I don't like his music and, you know, it's really really weird what he did <laughs> and he, he did you know, some weird shit yeah and i'm just kind of like shit. okay what you know i don't need to listen to you know if you like take r kelly off the airwaves i'm totally fine with it but generally i don't really care i think there's a tipping point yeah i think there's a point where yeah if i didn't if i'm not passionate about the art right. that you make then and you do some yeah. Some shady shit. Some weird shit. Uh -huh. Then I'm probably going to ignore yeah. you. Except that, like, let's say, like, somebody was a, a dog abuser, I think. like Okay, so Michael Vick, yeah. quarterback for the yeah. um, Atlanta Falcons. Mm -hmm. yeah. And when I heard about that, I was like... Yeah, yeah. Um, that, that's, that's, that's different, though. Huge, that's, an athlete, yeah. I think, is different. Yeah, an athlete is different. Yeah. I totally agree. Um, I think that because I don't think you need to pour your tortured self mm. into throwing and catching a football, for example, or making a three-pointer. I think you do need to pour your tortured self, not that you have to, but that the way art works is different from athletics, uh, where yeah. you, this is another expression right. that you can't deal with in your mind yeah, okay. sometimes. Yeah, got it. My, my point of view. Yeah, anyway. yeah, no, I get it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But, you know, all that at being, all that aside, you know, if, if you want to call me a hypocrite, I, I totally accept that you i don't know, think I you're saying be, anything hypocritical um, at all because i'm saying that i can accept certain artists that's why i mean a tipping, yeah. tipping point i think there's a tipping point like but i don't i've never heard a note of r kelly so i don't care anyway my point is mm -hmm. everybody has the right to determine that for oneself i think you mean the the one who appreciates the art yeah absolutely yeah, yeah. and i think that everybody here's a provocative question okay then. Does he have the right to ignore Bach? I, I absolutely think so. Okay. See, that's a difficult one for me. 
I don't know if I can do the reversal. You're, you're a teacher. Because I, I do think that in teaching, there's an element of antagonism to it. Mm-hmm. You have to antagonize Yeah, and students. I agree. And I also defend her right to grill him antagonize about it. Him. Yeah, antagonize yeah. him mm-hmm. about it. Um, she is absolutely in the right. You know, the whole... What she did is, yeah. sorry to cut you off, but what she did is she went over the top. She singled him out. She singled much. him out and then she... Eviscerated him. She, really, she did. really did eviscerate him. Yeah. Yeah. Because he couldn't really defend himself because what he was saying mm-hmm. was sort of like he was just echoing whatever social media was saying, which she, she, did, said, yeah, which she said, stay off of social media or something. Something I about like your moral compass is based on social media. And so he, you know, all of that was. I think true in his yeah. case because he didn't have any rebuttal. This is a problem. It's a yeah. great. It's it's it's. I think the first time I've seen mm-hmm. in a movie this sort of tension played out, right? And these ideas played out, which are very important. Right. And you and I are both, yeah, on this stuff. Yeah, we are t- totally misgendered them for this entire segment. But what do you mean? Because they. He never told me that he wants to be. I think he specifically said. That he was non-binary. Well, you're still doing it. <laughs> <laughs> they specifically said it. See, it's hard. It it's is hard. really hard. Give us a we're break. We're trying, yeah. yeah. <laughs> just, just to put it out there with right. that we're trying. And that was another thing that she... I think there's another kind of theme in this mm-hmm. that I've been hearing about it. Like, we, you were listening to a podcast about it yesterday. Whereas, like, you know, the traditional queer people, mm-hmm. right... The LGBTQ. They are the kind OG of... LGs. The OG LGs. yeah. Mm-hmm. I think they are being... They are equally confused Yeah. with um, kind of what's going on with, mm-hmm. you know, uh, pronouns and mm-hmm. sort of like the the gender politics mm-hmm. and... Uh, the language politics. Yeah, the language politics of that. And so she's sort of like, you know, she was... She's a lesbian. She's a lesbian who's, you know, married and has a child, mm-hmm. right? And she's sort And she of, has a child who is non-white. Right. But she's sort of like considered the problem, the, the oppressor and like the... the privileged. Sort of the privileged, rich. yeah. And I think this is something that a lot of people are dealing with mm-hmm. right now. And this movie elegantly ever so delicately and elegantly touches on it without making a big yes, old statement yes. about it yeah movies about music so you're actually drawing me into another line of thinking that i wanted to do mm-hmm. matthew mcconaughey starred in a movie called a time to kill mm-hmm. and it's about a black girl who gets raped and murdered and yes, there's, it's I, a courtroom yeah, drama yeah. samuel L. jackson yeah and uh Ashley Judd. Judd, yeah. And at the end of the movie, at the end of the trial, as he's giving his closing arguments, he says, now imagine she's white. Oh, I remember that scene. Yeah. And it was such a monumental, right. powerful, powerful right. moment. Yeah. And it shook me. Uh-huh. And that's come to kind of define my old-fashioned, you know, kind mm-hmm. of sum up my old-fashioned way of thinking about this. Um, Your I, 90s. I can't, like, yes, so yeah. I can't deal with the language <laughs> um, legalization mm-hmm. that's going on, but I can viscerally understand this. The thing I was thinking about watching this movie is imagine she's a man. Oh, for sure, yeah. So yeah. why don't we lay out some of the plot? What's yes. going on in this? Um. So at first, we didn't know where this movie was going, yeah. right? Because it kind of looked like you know, look into the life of a famous um, conductor. The life of a famous conductor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, you know, there were a lot of these details and like a lot of talk about like the work itself. 
And then it kind of slowly, her assistant is acting really weird, mm-hmm. right? And um, we're not sure if her her assistant is actually her partner because there was a certain, certain intimacy between them yeah. that was like a little bit inappropriate, I yeah. would say. And I've seen that in male and female assistant relationships, right? Where they had previously slept together or something. So there was that kind of energy between them. And then they evoked, the assistant keeps on talking about this girl named Krista. And it kind of, it was, you know, it kind of looked like she was stalking Lydia Tarr. You pointed out that she's the red-haired girl at the very beginning of the movie. Yes, yes, I think so. I I mean, I immediately understood what that, what was going on with like this Krista person. Mm -hmm. Later, this Krista girl turns out that she committed suicide and this becomes a problem. And Lydia is very like dismissive, but she goes and she deletes emails that she sent to other conductors and other um, orchestras about Krista. Oh, I thought it was exchanged with her and Krista. No, no. Okay. She deletes all the emails okay. that she sent about um, Krista telling other orchestras not to hire her. So what, seems to have transpired is that they had an affair mm-hmm. and she granted her you know favors mm-hmm. who knows maybe it was based on merit and then she happened to have had an affair with her could be a little bit yeah but um later they broke it off when lydia broke it off krista became a little bit too demanding like maybe you know from her perspective and then like in order to get rid of her, she kind of like banned her working. Yeah, kind of blackballed her, I yeah, guess. Yeah, yeah. And so th- th- that's why this whole thing became a problem. Well, huh? then she became obsessive with her. Yeah. And we don't really... This movie's really interesting because it doesn't... Um, there's a lot of exposition at the beginning about who yeah. Lydia Tarr is, mm-hmm. but there's not much exposition about what this relationship was. Right. We don't really understand so what happened. So we will never know. We, we never Just do Just like we would kind of never know what happened with, I'm sorry, but Harvey Weinstein. Yeah. You know, like we would we would never really know. Like, mm-hmm. you know, there, there are allegations mm-hmm. and there are, you know, somewhat proven mm-hmm. allegations but nobody saw what exactly happened you know that it's testimony yeah yeah it is yeah. testimony and so and i you know i'm not saying that it didn't happen or whatever but in a lot of these um trials these sexual misconduct uh, cases it's sort of like everything is re- like it's beyond reasonable doubt right so basically if it's beyond reasonable doubt you're well gi- first there's yeah. a presumption of guilt right. from the start yes and then but go ahead yeah and so but nobody saw anything and nobody really like, you know, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's a very, it's a, it's a very delicate matter. And so I think this movie was trying to like make that. I think it was trying to, the pace of this movie was maddening. Yeah. Um, but then you understand why it's paced the way it is mm-hmm. and why it's structured the way it is. And, you know, every movie, every story puts elements in, leaves elements out in order to present a certain way of thinking about a situation. Mm-hmm. And the thinking about this situation, it's not... And I think it could be faulted for this. Mm-hmm. It's not about the impropriety. Okay. It's about what happens to her from this impropriety. Yes. And if you, if you, in a way, you could criticize this for saying, where's the crime in this? Why aren't we getting something visceral right, about the right, crime right. in this? And I was thinking of this like as it was reaching its end. But then I thought, maybe that's just not what this movie is. So I think I have a, an opinion yeah. on that. So... When you, we see a crime, but usually in these cases, the sexual, the, the person who is like the, the abuser of the power 
doesn't see it as a crime. Because she keeps saying right. that Krista was obsessed with me. She came on to me, you know, she, she was saying all these things that like Harvey Weinstein used to yeah. say. And she deflects a lot, right? Like, oh, you know me. Well, how could, how dare you make, you know, me? Like, I would mm-hmm. never kind of think, implying that her, somehow, her conduct outside of her sex life, her personal life, would mirror her personal life. Do you know what I mean? What it would like it it's a reflection of what she would and wouldn't do, which is not necessarily the case, mm-hmm. which is really not the case mm-hmm. in a lot of people's in, in a lot of cases. Mm-hmm. You could be a great you could be great at your job. You could be a great teacher and you could still be like, you know, kind of quasi raping your students. Like mm-hmm. you, that that is totally, you know, I've seen so many things like that. And there's this novel that I keep talking about called Disgrace by J.M. Coetze. He's a South African. I've heard that name. Yeah. Nobel or Pulitzer Prize willing author. I think you've got it over here. Yeah. And he wrote, this book was so mind blowing to me because it was written from the perspective of the professor who lost his job because Mm. he like kind of raped a student. But when I say kind of raped a student was that it's written from his perspective and he doesn't see it as rape (laughs) because he, from his perspective, Oh, she didn't say no. She was just, you know, she came to my house when I invited her. So, and you could kind of see how one could kind of delude oneself into thinking, you see what I'm saying? So this is very interesting. So I was going to say, of course, there's an element of power in this relationship, Mm -hmm. right? And this is what happens. And this is what happened to, I don't know if I want to get into this, but one of my professors at EGS, and she's Mm -hmm. a woman, I'm not going to name her, but she found herself in this exact situation. But... I was thinking about while you were saying that, I was thinking about the idea of power. Mm-hmm. But then the interesting thing is that a protagonist in a film, through point of view, mm-hmm. has an element of power. Yes. And so these two things are fusing together. The For point sure. of view perspective yeah. in a film and the kind of real depiction yeah. <laughs> that's being played out. Yeah. So yeah, that's very interesting. Yeah. And so she's also very unreliable. We see how unreliable she is because she doesn't think that she did anything wrong, right? She genuinely, I think she genuinely doesn't think she I don't did. know. But that's another I, interesting ambiguity that we don't need to right. necessarily answer. Is she is she defending her? I mean, there's a psyche to that. Right. Is Does she think that she is so almighty right. that she could be beyond uh, punishment? Right. But I think that happens in a Harvey Weinstein kind of situation. Definitely, yeah. And she's a little bit unreliable as, you know. For sure. For sure. Like, because she sees that she hears stuff. And then, like, Uh, the score is gone. All of that. We can talk about all that stuff, too, because that was weird. It was... Do you want to get into that? We can talk about... I think that's a huge part of the movie. Like, what she's hearing things, but we hear them, too. Right. So, it's presented as objective sound that she is hearing there's a repeated shot it happens maybe six times where it's the same still shot of Mm -hmm. her with her eyes open lying in bed in the same exact same position maybe four or five six times Mm -hmm. she gets up and something's happening so in one case her metronome is going and Mm -hmm. it's behind a cabinet like randomly yeah yeah just out of nowhere uh in another case there's like what else happens i can't even remember her score is gone her score is gone yeah so I was, I was thinking this is kind of a weird kind of gaslighting, but it's not. Um, but, it might have been though, because imagine yeah. if like her partner had been in on it so and was trying to like. We never know who sent yeah. the text messages. Right. We assume it's her assistant, right. but we don't know. Uh, we don't know why her score disappeared. We don't know. We never learn who set up that metronome. Right. 
really weird stuff. And she's got these nervous tics and yeah. she, we don't know if she's hearing things. So we don't know if she's a little bit schizo yeah. or if she's being gaslit. Yeah. A little bit of like end. Roman yeah. Polanski's. Yeah. Um, we don't know. Rosemary's baby. No, I no, was uh, thinking of the other uh, one. Contempt. Wait. Repulsion. Repulsion. Yeah. I was thinking of that. Is she going crazy <laughs> in the apartment? I always, I always. Um, that movie shook me. Yeah. I always confuse contempt and uh, Rosemary's baby. No, repulsion and oh, contempt. Okay. So that was very interesting. And yes. he left these ambiguities open. Right. So Todd Field has not done many movies, but they've all been pure gold. Apparently. Oh, yeah? I haven't seen his other two movies. I haven't either. But he's he started out as an actor. He does producing, screenwriting, stuff like that. This is his third film. Mm -hmm. And he takes like eight years in between movies. Mm -hmm. But this was a very patient film. Mm -hmm. Very odd film. Uh, very particular. Very obsessive, I would say. Yeah. And Kate Blanchett is incredible. Yeah. Remember before we turned on the movie, I said... I am not a huge fan of Kate Blanchett as an actress because I feel like sometimes her performances are very affected. Like there's something a little bit like, I am an actor kind of quality to her acting. But in this film, that totally worked. Yes. It really worked. And, um, but she was also very different in this movie. She was very different in this movie. I think um, I, I, I liked her performance. Like, I really liked it. Outstanding. I think she's yeah. nominated for Best Actress yeah. for this. Um, I think I had a problem with her because of Blue Jasmine, and that's probably Woody <laughs> Allen's She's a funny fault. character yeah. in that movie. No, she was, I mean, it's probably Woody Allen's fault that she was directed in a certain way that I didn't you know, it wasn't very convincing to me. Like, I was mm. just like, okay, come on. But I thought she was good. I thought she owned it. And it's a very brave kind of role to have mm. to assume that kind of character. Yeah. And But that's going to stick with you. Yeah. But no, she was outstanding. There was a lot of unknowns in this movie. Mm -hmm. um, there's also, I mean, it's set in Berlin. Yeah. This could easily be a movie about places, except it's not, it doesn't really represent Berlin. Yeah. Yeah, the Berlin apartments were Oh, I love gorgeous. Berlin apartments. Yeah, so I, I was like, "Are you kidding?" Me? Yeah, I lived in Berlin yeah. for a little while, yeah. and um, I the apartments are outstanding. Yeah, so that was a nice little. It was. It nice was a bit. very visually. So, like I said, I don't like ugly films, right? Like I, yeah. <laughs> I just don't want to like you know. I, I work really hard all day, and I don't want to come. So home. this is it, it exactly, yeah. and I wish more people understood this. Mm -hmm. Look at <laughs> cinema is a is a dream world. It's an escape. Yeah. You don't have to. It, it's also can be political and it could yeah. um, help change society. Yeah. You know, that goes back to the Russians. But, um, you know, you do want to, you don't want to have to overthink I don't want to have things. to overthink things. And um, even when they're demanding that I overthink something, I want it to look good. Like I want... And feel yeah, real. visual, like yeah. I want visual candy. Like, yeah. you know, in, in, I agree. In, in the form of furniture and apartments. Yeah. And that this was very fulfilled. This film was very fulfilling. Yeah, I'm not ashamed aspect. to say I like to see beautiful yeah. people in movies yeah. and, and beautiful settings and beautiful music. And she, oh man, like in the very beginning there, I knew I would like this movie because the opening scene after the Peruvian like song, um, they showed her tailor. She gets her, yeah. her clothes tailor. And, and they're reading off her resume. <laughs> yeah. And she's, you know, just kind of putting on her jacket yeah. at, you know. She obviously bespoke. likes fashion and nice yeah. things. And she looks great. And there's something. I couldn't, when you said, imagine she were a man, mm -hmm. I couldn't help but imagine she were a man because yeah. um, there were a lot of her life is kind of live as if she were a man. A like, powerful man. A powerful man. And it was very interesting because when she lost that power, 
she be kind of she kind of became a, a woman again. Did you oh, notice? Oh, interesting. Yeah. Oh, you're totally right. Yeah, yeah. I didn't even think about that until yeah. you said that, but you're absolutely right. And I no, it really like struck wow, me. Yeah. yeah. Because when she lost that power, she was there was a lot of things. There were a lot of things that she had to deal with all of a sudden as a woman. But when yeah. she had that power, she was treated as like a man almost. Yeah. And in the very beginning, she was doing that interview in that mm-hmm. interview scene. You know, the interviewer said something like, you know, what does it mean? Something like, you know, as a lesbian female conductor. And she was like, what does that even mean? Mm-hmm. You know, and she says that with such, you know. She had that maestro yeah. dickishness about Definitely. her. Definitely. <laughs> and and it was so exhilarating to watch as a woman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was part of the eye candy for me. That yeah. was part of the escapism. Because, mm-hmm. I, you know, I briefly entertained like, oh, that... What if that were possible? What if mm-hmm. I became so good at what I did mm-hmm. and just sort of lived like a man-man, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> like a powerful yeah. man? Yeah, that yeah. would be amazing. Yeah. She is um, She is liberal. She yeah. listens to NPR. There's a scene of her listening yes. to NPR. Yes. She's, a, she's a classic liberal. But um, we should say what happens to her. I mean, so she, so again, the most bizarre thing happens to her at the end. I was so confused. Well, this, so, so this guy, this yeah. director... Todd Field, he's not going to give you a lot of information. Right. He, you're going to you're going to see it, you're and, gonna and you're not going to know right away. Right. It's going to take time for the scene to unfold for right. you to figure it out. We figure out she's somewhere in Asia. Somewhere in Southeast Asia, we both were like, "Is that Bangkok?" We right? thought Bangkok yeah. first, and then I thought Cambodia. Yeah. And then you said Myanmar. It might be Myanmar because they all speak very good English, yeah. and I heard that about Myanmar. Yeah. And then, but then there were the waterfalls looked like Laos, and I looked it up later, okay. and apparently it was deliberately ambiguous. Okay, I like it when they do this. But the orchestra that she was working with was the Thai something orchestra, hmm. youth orchestra. But they did speak in a language. There was a scene where they were speaking. Yeah, in a language. I don't know what that. That yeah. apparently was like Thai or something. Okay. Um, because the the actor was Thai. Okay. I guess. But then the rest of the people in the in the. In the scenes right. where she's in, like, the uh, Song Tao driving, yeah. they, they, they didn't look Thai to me. And the Song Tao li- didn't look like a Thai Song Tao. No, it wasn't. And it also, <laughs> the streets didn't look like yeah. they were in Right. I in wonder Thailand. where they shot it. We yeah, can look it up. Yeah, but... I would really like to know. Yeah. But it was deliberately ambiguous. Mm-hmm. There's very little information about yeah, where they right. shot it. But the, the orchestra was Thai. And the very at the very end, she was seemingly conducting for a cosplay... Okay, so it was a cosplay for a video game. It was so a cosplay weird. event for a video game called Monsters. There's a full orchestra, and then down drops three screens. Mm-hmm. I thought it was very interesting mm-hmm. that yeah. the screens coming down from the ceiling were very noisy. Yeah. This is not what you're going to get right, at the right. Berlin Phil- yeah. <laughs> Philharmonic. And then the, the camera pans across these oddly costumed people. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking, this is the last shot of the film. Yeah. And it was. Yeah, I thought so too. Yeah. yeah. I just had a feeling. So she goes and she has to get a massage. She gets food poisoning. You know, she's like, it's the knocking down of privilege. But she, there's never, here's what's different from the from the male journey. Okay. From the man's journey, yeah. classically in a film like this. Mm-hmm. So this is an anti-hero movie. Mm-hmm. You're not going to get your redemption at the end. Mm-hmm. But what you will get is a man kind of, at the end of the film, reaching some extreme depth. Mm-hmm. And then the movie's over. Right. But she didn't really. Yeah. She... Got her privilege knocked down, (laughs) and she was was dealing with it. Yeah, she was dealing with it. It was a a different world. (laughs) 
There was a scene that I'd like to talk about. Her partner. Um, so there's there's certain tidbits revealed about her partner. Her partner is, I think, she's first violin. Yeah, in her orchestra. Yeah, in her orchestra. So the Berlin Philharmonic, that's huge, right? Yes. Um, and her family, she probably comes from this like hoity-toity family who is like very well connected. And the partner, Susan, says something. Sharon? Susan? Yeah, one of those like... Her partner. Yeah, her partner, Sharon. Wait, her partner, her, her lover. Yeah, her lover, partner, mm-hmm. slash partner. She throws out some information about their personal life during their fight. Something that she said about Lydia having been very political in her career, right? So she, you know, asked her like... Who do I go to? Like, what do I do? How do I play this game? And so, like, it's implied that her partner, kind of her wife, guided her into this, like, you know, had a had a hand mm, in, you know, mm, mm. pulling her up yeah, yeah, to that position, which is usually, which is how these things work, yeah. you know, like, as far as I know. Yeah. 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 And I, I also said something like, you know, I heard that if Russians could afford to go fly to the competitions they would all win everything mm-hmm. so you know so we should add that element into yeah. the story that there's a um there's a cellist yeah. a, a young girl a yeah. cellist who becomes her new becomes lydia tar's new object yeah so she she obviously had a crush on her it didn't yeah. go anywhere eventually but um she you know and you could see that this is sort of her pattern right um and she played k blanchett really played this like teacher enamored with their young student kind of thing very well because i've seen it Mm -hmm. and that's exactly how they react like they're kind of (laughs) yeah (laughs) anyway i thought that was really funny and that it just kind of didn't go anywhere um because it kind of coincided with her downfall right yeah the scandal and everything exactly um and also the russian girl was having none of it i mean she yeah i don't know if she recognized it but she was she was I thought at first kind of flirtatious, you know, sometimes you're not clear what those signs right, are right, because yeah. she's obviously enamored by the maestro, you right. know, and she wants this mm-hmm. position in the mm-hmm. in the orchestra. But I thought she was a really good um, actor and also a good character because right. she was Z to, <laughs> mm-hmm. to the bone, you yeah. know, and she's not interested in her. Yeah. Yeah. It was funny. Yeah. But so it's kind so, of like that dual, I mean, the idea of one of the rules of script writing is when there's a downfall, mm-hmm. have two things happen at once. Mm-hmm. And so she's failing to seduce the student. Right. She's also failing in her career, in her life. Right. But I think the the, the fight with her partner revealed to me, at least, that right. the power right. that she had as mm-hmm. maestro and the fame and the money and all the status was actually important. And Oh, for sure. Yeah. And I think because... So for some people, it's genuinely not that important for some artists. Like, I have I think that, like, so, you know, there's a... I, I, I do sort of separate artists into two categories. There are those who genuinely only care about the work. Mm-hmm. Like, they, you know, they, they as long as they can work, mm-hmm. they, you know, they'll enjoy the perks, mm-hmm. but they genuinely do only care about the work. And mm-hmm. I think for Lydia, it was she did care about the work. I think she but did, But she too. also... Really, it was important that she I think so, enjoy too. the privilege. Yeah, and it, it was played off a little ambiguous in another ambiguity. We're, we're not sure she's kind of performing her mm-hmm. greatness. Right. Or if she really, you know, it's something I always wonder about with people who become famous mm-hmm. is they seem to care, they seem to take on this air of fame. Yes. And 
They don't act like real people anymore. Yeah. So that fight with her partner, when her partner said, you asked me, like, you know, what do I do? Who do I go to? That proved to me that she was very political and that she was putting on a lot of airs because she dropped that those airs when she lost all of her power. She kind of returned to who she yeah. was, I guess, yeah. that we never saw. Right. But that you're right. That's yeah. I'm glad you pulled this out that her partner mentioned about her. Mm -hmm. So... Yeah, it's kind of, it's a, it's a journey from, yeah, from privilege to normalcy. Yeah. Did the people you've spoken to like this movie? Did you get the impression? Violet liked it. Okay. But she's the only one I chatted with. Um, so Violet, a friend of ours, she's, um, she's a musician in a band called Madam Radar in Texas. Mm -hmm. And she's a very good friend of mine. And she, yes, yeah, so she's the one who yeah. brought me to this movie. And I think she liked it. But I didn't hear, somebody else mentioned it to me and I can't remember. It, who was, it was Mike Ventola, I think. Oh, who's Mike Ventola. Who's another musician, okay. yeah. by the way. <laughs> Most yeah. of our friends are musicians. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he, he wrote on your um, Facebook page. That was it. Like, okay. You guys have to do Tar. Okay. Like, yeah. So, yeah, I liked the movie, but I couldn't tell you why I liked the movie. I just think it was a fascinating character yeah. study. Yeah. And I think that element of imagine she's a man yeah. is, is an interesting one. Mm -hmm. And it deals with contemporary cultural politics in a way that's very creatively done. I think so, too. It wasn't like kind of telling you to think anything. Mm -hmm. I like that about this movie a lot. Yeah. The music is great. The music is great. It sounds good. Yeah. The orchestra sounds fantastic. Like just, it was just buttery coming off the speakers. Right. And if you like Mahler, that's the, that's the composite. He's the composer being worked on throughout right. the, the movie. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then we get little, yeah, interesting bits about what it's like to be in a symphony orchestra. Mm-hmm. In Berlin. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, for me, the, the, the classiest, most impressive thing that you could be is like a conductor. I've always wondered about the idea of a conductor. And I think, you know, it was mocked in Seinfeld at one point, I think. Oh, really? You yeah. know, where, where uh, Kramer wanted to be called Maestro because he was wearing a cape around mm -hmm. uh, because he knew this composer or something right. like that. But the composer, you know, I, sorry, not the composer, the conductor. The conductor, I think, is this weird creature mm -hmm. in the... <laughs> Symphony. Yeah. You think, well, what the fuck is this guy doing? He's just. Well, I, and, you and, know she, what he's doing, though. Well, yeah. I, yeah. I, I, As a drummer, like you, you, well, know, I, yeah, he, you know exactly the, what. The, yeah. Basically leading the show, um, right. but I never understood the complexity of it. Right. Like, yeah, as a drummer, I, I understand that somebody needs to keep both time and dynamics right. and meter and you know, uh, rhythm right. and all of these elements that are very important. Um, and it's there's a dramatic leadership to it. Mm -hmm. At one point she says, watch me, because uh, she thinks somebody's not paying attention. Mm -hmm. No, but I have a new respect for that, for that role. And it's really, yeah, a movie about a symphony conductor. Yep. Um, there's some callbacks, I think, that are worth mentioning. We talked about Whiplash. Mm -hmm. There's elements of education to this movie and also our... The podcast we did on uh, Mr. Holland's opus. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 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 For so, sure. yeah, a couple of other podcasts if you want to check yeah. out that we've done mm -hmm. in the past. So, we were absent for a while. What yeah. was going on? You were traveling. We were so, were you? We were yeah. in Thailand and we tried to do a. That's right. That's we tried to. We, we, we recorded a, um, a podcast about the movie The Beach and we. <laughs> So I got so apart. upset and we got, got really into a upset. fight. We got into a fight about this movie. The, this movie and we decided not to We just edit turned it. I turned we, off the yeah, mics. Yeah, cuz it got pretty it got pretty bad like yeah. but the um It's interesting to put that up. Yeah. 
but yeah. I don't think I'm no, going to. No, no, no. I don't think I want to expose myself like that. But um, you, uh, so how was Thailand? Like, was, Oh my God, yeah. it was great. Yeah. It was first time back in Thailand since you and I were there together. Yes, yes. Where we yeah. hooked up. <laughs> It was great. It was just incredible. I, I, we went to the States for a while and, mm-hmm. and it didn't feel like the pandemic was over. Mm-hmm. And we both got mm-hmm. sick while we were there. We both yeah. got COVID. And I arrived in Chiang Mai, masks off. Everybody's crowded in bars. The mm-hmm. music is alive. It's, you know, all of my friends are still there. And, you know, I know they went through difficult times during the pandemic, but it was almost like a film cut. Mm-hmm. It was exactly picked yeah, up yeah. from where I left off. Yeah. And and every night I was going out and seeing live music and seeing friends play and right. things like that. And yeah. it was incredible. And then you came and you did some singing. We did some mm-hmm. playing together and saw some music. Yeah. And we went to a, a beach. Right. We went to Koh Lanta. And so um, we're, you're probably going to put up some of the extra, some of the footage mm-hmm. that we got in um, Koh Lanta. But um, if you guys have any recommendations for movies about Thailand, especially yeah. Chiang Mai, yeah, like, please give us some because we couldn't really think of anything. Yeah, the reason why we landed on the beach is because it's the only we wanted to keep to like a Thai director mm-hmm. or you know something like that. But there's a lot of in terms of films that are known, there's a lot of Thai art films, but right. not something that I think is popular enough. Right, and we don't want to hear anything about The Hangover. <laughs> no, I don't want to do that. Or Bangkok Dangerous or anything like that. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm talking about real movies yeah. that are seriously about, you know. And the beach Thailand. was. Yes, yes. It, it and was. I couldn't stand it for multiple reasons. Yeah. I had a very visceral reaction <laughs> towards the movie. I won't get into it because mm-hmm. well, I'll get, re-get into yeah. it and then I'll start the whole process over right. again. But, um yeah, so we're looking for recommendations. Yeah. Um, uh, what else is new? You're going to go to Australia soon. Yes, I yes. I want to do one more podcast because the Oscars are coming, and I want to Ooh. do a movie about Ireland. So hopefully we'll get to that before you go to Australia. All right, well, that's it. Take care, everybody. Under the moonlight I'll sing you a song So you'd magically feel a lot less Stories of heroes and poets and sadness and war, of immeasurable pain, unconditional love, movies about music.